Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. This is Carl Franklin from Connecticut in the United States. And in February 2016, I put myself on a ketogenic diet to take control of my metabolism. In just two and a half months, I managed to reverse all my markers of type 2 diabetes with diet alone. As of now, I'm 80 pounds lighter with no signs of diabetes or heart disease. Hi, I'm Richard Morris in Canberra, Australia. I've been on a ketogenic diet since April 2014, and when I started, I was very sick with complications from type 2 diabetes. Within six months of starting a ketogenic diet, all of my biomarkers of disease had disappeared. I've lost about 100 pounds, so I've completely turned my health around. And this show is a document of our experiences thriving for years in nutritional ketosis. Yeah, and totally reversing diabetes. Yes, we did. And hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. Yeah, we're not doctors. We don't want to give any medical advice, but we are keen to share our own experiences. We're actually both software developers, so we're not afraid of a little technical detail, are we, Carl? No. (laughs) (laughs) We even read the manuals. That's right. (laughs) Every now and then. Every second job. (laughs) We've done some research into our own deranged metabolisms and the science behind them, and we share studies that we found in the show notes. And you'll probably work out pretty quickly that we're both foodies. We love to cook. Oh, yeah. And we love to eat. Mm-hmm. In every episode, we both share a keto recipe that it's pretty, pretty, pretty good. I think you'll like it. <laughs> okay. Well, let's start podcast number 145, Real Food Keto with Jimmy and Christine Moore. Could you save your due for a little? So, Richard, do we have any apologies or corrections from last week's show? Uh, no, we don't have any apologies, but we might have some news. Apparently, Kevin yeah. is... Uh, uh, first alternate for a potential kidney tonight. So, uh, and this is going to happen a lot of times until until you know he, he actually does get a, a, a transplant. Yeah. But in this case, uh, he's uh, he, he his job is to remain as healthy as he possibly can be, and to make sure that uh, whenever there a, a liver becomes available, that he, that he gives it the best possible home in a in a healthy non diabetic body. So, um, and he's doing really well. So, uh, uh, good luck, Kevin. Uh, we're all we're all pulling for you. Right. Good luck. We don't know what will have happened by the time this comes out, which is in a couple of days, but. Uh We'll know one way or another yeah. soon. Yeah. All right. So let's revisit what a ketogenic diet is. Sure. A ketogenic diet is one that puts you into a state of ketosis, which is when you're burning fat for energy instead of glucose. Right. Uh, one sure way of doing this is eating 20 grams or less of uh, carbohydrates a day. Carbohydrates mm-hmm. are sugar and starch. You don't want to eat, go out and eat sugar and starch. Don't go out and find 20 grams of sugar and starch right. to eat. <laughs> you want to get carbohydrates in leafy greens, in broccoli, Every egg has got about a gram of carbohydrate, a gram of glucose in it. So you want to limit the amount of carbohydrates that you're eating to 20 grams or less a day, and that yeah. forces you into a state of ketosis. Yeah. So as far as protein goes, we eat between one and one and a half grams per kilogram of lean mass. Now, how do you work that out? Well, uh, you, your lean mass is roughly 75% of your total weight. So let's say I'm, I'm actually 106 kilograms right now today. And my lean mass, uh, I happen to know because I've, I've had it tested is about 80 kilograms. I eat between about 80 and 120 grams of protein a day. Yeah. Look, if you're bigger than me, you're going to eat more. If you're smaller than me, you might eat a little bit less. Uh, but we don't want to be getting any of our energy from protein. We're just using it to build our body. Right. All of our energy we get from fat. fat. That's fat on our body or fat on our plate. Right. <laughs> and uh, look, if you're just starting 
Uh, listen to our Starting Keto show at start.2keto.com. That'll get you going. Yes, sir. So, Richard, how was your week, sir? Uh, it's not bad. I actually, I'm actually in Australia again, which is nice. Yeah. <laughs> For the past two weeks, we've been all over the planet. Um, right. uh, I flew back from London yesterday, so I'm a little bit jet lagged. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, Carl and I went to, uh, Prague where we had a meter palooza. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also spoke at a software conference there, which was fun. Yeah. Um, I don't get to do that much these days anymore. Uh, we also went to Palma, Mallorca. We didn't go to the conference there because I was still doing my my exams when the conference was on. So unfortunately, yeah. I missed it. But we got to see a bunch of the folk after the conference, which yep. was that was good as well. Um, and speaking of my exams, I got a pass in biology and a distinction in chemistry. So I'm actually getting better at chemistry. Although it doesn't really feel like I'm getting <laughs> that much better. Uh, but anyway, that was my week. How was yours, Carl? It was pretty good. I mean, I'm I spent the week catching up. You know, both on sleep and uh, on work and uh, trying <laughs> yeah. to uh, prepare for the end of the year here with two keto, which, you know, means we're going into this austerity mode that I spoke about in the bumper. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, things are going to be fine. Don't worry. We uh, I had the idea the other day that, uh, you know, winter is coming, the fall weather is crisp and cold, and I wanted some beef stew. And I wanted to share that with my keto friends locally. Mm -hmm. So I basically made the beef stew recipe that is on my blog, but I made like 25 quarts. And I put out a notice on Facebook and to the local keto meetup group, hey, stop by and pick up a quart for 10 bucks after five. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really good deal, actually. The thing that I did differently this time with beef stew is I added a few things. I added some chopped daikon. Mm-hmm. You know, daikon is, has the consistency of potatoes without the starch, and it also adds a little peppery note, yep. which is nice. And uh, I also added some spices I don't normally do in beef stew, which is cinnamon and allspice. Mm. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. So, it almost has that Moroccan flavor to it, and uh, it was really delicious. Yeah. The thing about making a stew is it's easy to make up a big old batch, you know. Um, yeah. So, I can understand why you made a lot of it. Yep. Um, you know, so, uh, but the problem is it's hard to eat it that quickly. So, right. that's, a, so that's an awesome Share idea. it with my friends. Putting a call out for people to help you eat that stew. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. to the cost. And I sold about 15 nice. quarts. So, it was fun. Yeah. Everybody loved it. That's good. That's also good. That was my week. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what? Let's give away some swag. Sure. Every show, we pick a lucky winner at random from the members of the Two Keto Dudes fan club. Yes, and today we're giving away a treasure trove of stuff from vendors we like, all of which you can find at fanclub.2keto.com. We also need to mention a caveat. Most of our vendors can only ship inside the United States. That's right. But if we happen to pick someone outside the U.S., we will find something to send you, but it probably won't be the treasure trove. Just little something-something. Yeah. So who's our winner this week? Today's winner is Eric Clement. Congratulations, Eric. Let's tell everyone what Eric's won. Sure. Well, the first thing we're giving Eric is a Two Keto Dudes coffee mug that says, Keep Calm and Keto On. Eric, you're going to get a signed copy of Lies My Doctor Told Me by Dr. Ken Berry online at lies.twoketo.com. And a bottle of Stevia Sweet Barbecue Sauce, developed by a barbecue restaurant owner who plans to change the restaurant industry forever. Only two carbs per serving. Online at steviasweetbbq.com. 
and a cheese-making kit from Wine & Way. Pam Zorn gave everyone at Keto Fest a kit so they could make their own fresh mozzarella. That's online at wineandway.com. That's W-I-N-E-A-N-D-W-H-E-Y.com. And a six-ounce cup of beef bone broth concentrate from Birthright Nutrition. Simply add water, heat, stir, sip, and enjoy. Jam-packed with good stuff. More at birthrightnutrition.com. We're also giving away a bottle of Remag Magnesium Solution, developed by Dr. Carolyn Dean, along with a copy of her protocol, and the Keto and Magnesium Manifesto, online at magmiracle.com. We're also giving away a big bottle of Fasting Drops from Keto Chow. It's a well-formulated blend of electrolytes. Just drop a little in your water and fasting will be a breeze. Online at fastingdrops.2keto.com. And two bottles of Sated, one chocolate, one vanilla, online at sated.2keto.com. And from Keto & Co., a sampler six-pack, a bag of brownies, four bags of different flavored cauliflower rices, and a bag of flatbread, online at ketoand.co. Finally, a bag of everything bagels from Fox Hill Kitchens, made with yeast but no wheat or gluten, online at bread.2keto.com. And if you don't want to wait to win some swag, you can buy all sorts of it online at gear.2keto.com. And that brings us squarely to... Yep. Mail! 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 Okay. What you got, Cal? All right, so this one comes from the newbies topic on the forum, the ketogenic forums, and this is from Claire. And Claire says, I started the keto way on 3rd November, and in the first three weeks I have lost 14 pounds, which I am sure is just water in bulk, question mark? So she doesn't really understand what that is. I've kept under 30 grams of total carbs, but my keto meter only seems to say I'm 0.5 to 1.2, varying during the day. And I imagine she means ketones right there. I can't yeah. seem to get to the mm -hmm. optimum ketone level of 1.5 to 3. This week I haven't lost anything, which after the big loss is understandable, but I am starting to wonder if this is all usual. Do people still go up and down, plateau on ketosis? Um, I haven't started to factor exercise in to see if that helps. I guess I don't know what to expect as I haven't done anything like this before. Oh, and the insomnia. Does this pass? Thank you and nice to meet you all. So the first thing I'll say is you should probably go under 20 grams of total carbs, but you are in ketosis because you're from 0.5 mm -hmm. to 1.2. So don't feel, I, I say, yep. and I think you'd agree with me, Richard, that as long as you're in ketosis, you're burning fat for fuel. Yeah. Uh, uh, Stephen Finney says anything between 0.5 and 1.5. Yeah. So, you know, that's, um, you, you're doing fine. You're doing yeah. fine. You don't need an, op there is no really optimum ketone level uh, because your body just will adjust no. to whatever ketones you're making. Now, plateauing um, mm -hmm. may be due to a lot of things. First of all, big plateaus come later. Little plateaus come come now. Yeah. And and it's probably something to do with what you're eating rather than uh, how much. But uh, that's what I would guess. Mm -hmm. Now, as far as exercise, I don't think you should force your body to exercise if it doesn't feel like exercising. But you will get to a point where you have all this great energy and move, you know, I think moving is uh, the appropriate response to having to that feeling like you need to move. What I would say about exercise is certainly for me, I was going to the gym three times a week for the entire process of my adaptation. And it felt like after about five minutes, it felt like somebody had pulled my plug out of the wall. I had to sit down and take a breather. And hmm. it was only like 
five, ten seconds, and then I was up and ready to go again. And then five minutes later, the same thing would happen again. Mm. You might notice this if you if you're doing exercise. Um, so um, and it took me about six weeks before I was adapted enough that I could just generate enough uh, energy from fat without yeah. having to worry about it. Right. Um, so that, so that's one thing to watch out for with exercise. You don't have to, as Carl said, you don't have to exercise. Um, but, you know, if that's part of your life, yeah. um, just be aware that, that, you know, you might be a little bit exercise intolerant just for the first six weeks, but um, exactly. you'll get back and you'll be stronger. There is no doubt about that. Yep. So I guess, uh, you know, our advice is keep calm keto on. I would try to go for 20 grams of total carbs a day. Uh, and get those only from green leafy veg and nuts and maybe some heavy cream, some cheese, eggs, that kind of thing. Um, but certainly there's a whole bunch of foods that are, are going to uh, sabotage you in this, uh, in this time. So we have lots of recipes. Just go peruse them and I uh, think you'll find good stuff to eat. Yeah. That's what I got, Richard. What do you got? So mine's actually uh, a f- physical piece of mail. In fact, it's a magazine. It's something that's called a book zine. It's from Future PLC, which is a, a UK publisher. And they publish uh, t- Tom's Hardware. They do T3, uh, Anantec, Gizmodo, hmm. um, Lifehacker. This, these these are a, a, a massive magazines. Well, this one's actually called Keto Diet. It's a book zine. Uh, it's got 30 low-carb, high-fat recipes. Wow. And it talks a lot about the ketogenic diet. And the reason I want to mention it is normally I go to the news agent, I pick up a diabetic magazine to mock because mm. they're ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Usually. Uh, the amount of carbohydrates they're shoving down diabetic throats so i saw this and i thought oh this will be a laugh because you know finally the keto diet is uh making its way out of uh being sort of you know a a little known feature that only the the high priests of keto understand right um and now it's making its way into the mainstream of course it's going to be full of uh you know um uh, ridiculous uh, uh, things like uh, 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 sugar by other names. Yeah, yeah. Turns out it's actually a good book. Yeah, there was only one recipe that was a little bit dodgy that I thought that was a quinoa and an apple muffin, and that was like uh, 23.4 grams of carbohydrates per muffin, of which 10 were fibre. Wow. You know, that's 13 grams just for a muffin. It's just not worth it. But yeah. most of the other meals were great, and the the explanation of the science I thought was quite decently done wow good for a mainstream magazine so what i would say we're going to put a link in the show notes to the 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 publisher's uh, mm-hmm. uh content but look what i would say is if you know a type 2 diabetic and they're not listening to you on how to do a ketogenic diet and they're not listening to any other sources of information go out and buy them this magazine just put it in their hands and just say look if you don't want to be losing toes i suggest you at least be aware of this so anyway. yeah that's that's my mouth for the day. That's really good, really good. I like it. All right. Well, now we uh, are going to roll an interview with uh, Jimmy and Christine Moore that we did uh, a couple of weeks ago about their new book, Real Food Keto. Well, we have on the line Jimmy and Christine Moore, authors of uh, a new book that they're going to tell you about right now. How are you guys? We're good. What's up, two keto dudes? How are y'all? Awesome. I was going to come up with you know the the Australian awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I'm just chilling because I've just done my biology final, which I think I probably aced, and I'm just sit, sitting here drinking the, my first scotch for about two months. <laughs> so you're a bit chuffed. Yeah, I'm chuffed. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, a happy camper. 
That means happy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's excited. So, Jimmy, you, this this new book that you've written, you've co-written with uh, your wife, Christine, right? I did. Mm, that's that's a new experience. So I'm, I'm going to be one of those guests for you, Richard. Because <laughs> when I have people on my podcast and you, you expect them to be a little more verbose and then mm-hmm. they give you two words as an answer and you go, really? Um, I did. But that's okay, Jimmy. I've got a few I've got a, I've got a few secret <laughs> questions for you. So so tell me, is it true that you're in Leatherheads? I am in the Leatherheads <laughs> movie, uh, George Clooney movie, where they wanted football players that were a certain height and a certain weight and a certain everything, and I didn't qualify. But then they called me the day before the taping, and they said, we've got a role for you, and you're nice. going to be in a scene with George Clooney. Wow. Cool. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I ended up, so if you watch Leatherheads, it was a bomb at the box office. But if you watch Leatherheads, you could probably get it for 50 cents on Amazon or whatever. The first 15 minutes in the film, 15 minutes in, uh, Clooney is driving up on a motor bike, as you mm-hmm. guys say in Australia. Yep. And he's coming up, uh, and I'm the doorman when he pulls wow. up and he gives me this look. And yeah, it was a lot of fun because we did like 50 takes. <sighs> and so- He's like saying all these lines to me er, different yeah. every single time. This <laughs> really nice human being. He was a really very nice to me as a nobody. Um, and so that was cool. Very cool. That's awesome. All right. So let's talk about real food keto. And <laughs> I guess the question I want to start with is why another keto book? What's different about this from your other books, Jimmy? Well, you know that my uh, my thing is trying to translate science and make it communicable. You guys let me do a talk about that yeah. at the Keto Fest conference this year, and it right. was a lot of fun. Thank you for that because I was able to give it again recently at the Low Carb Houston event, yep. and I'll probably give it again because I, I enjoy doing that. Mm. But my modus operandi is never to try to make another keto book just for the sake of a keto book. If I'm going to make a new book, it's going to have something of value to add to the community. So obviously, Keto Clarity broke new ground, and now you've got a plethora of all these keto books. Mm-hmm. And then the Complete Guide to Fasting that I did with Dr. Fung, again, broke new ground, and it's different than most of the other books out there. So when Christine went through the Nutritional Therapy Practitioner Program last year, I was hearing her talk about prostaglandins and duodenums and all of mm-hmm. these terms that I'm going whoa, what is all this information? So I started really kind of following along with her and learning it with her. And I said, this needs to be out there in the keto community Hmm. because nobody has really talked about nutritional therapy and the benefits that it could give someone that's keto because there's so many things about a ketogenic diet that could be helped with nutritional therapy. So I approached my publisher and I said, are you interested in a book that would marry these two concepts and they were just all in on board. And in fact, the publisher, Christine, what did he say about our book? He said that it was his favorite book now. His favorite keto book nice. he's wow. ever had. And I'm like, whoa, this is like, whoa. I was like, uh, keto clarity. But, uh, but yeah, <laughs> I'm very happy that he likes real food keto. <laughs> so, Christine, tell us about nutritional therapy practice for those people who don't know what it is. Sure. So, as a nutritional therapy practitioner, I look at my clients on an individual basis. We have this term called bio-individuality. So what I eat may not necessarily be right for somebody else. So I have to look at the client as an individual. If I see that they're an athlete and maybe need a few more carbohydrates, if that's what they do better with, um, if they need more carbohydrates in the form of uh, some more non-starchy leafy greens or even a sweet potato every now and then, um, that's what I recommend. 
each client has a, a different need. They have different areas of weaknesses, and I have to determine that as a nutritional therapy practitioner. We do something called the functional evaluation where I have the client lay down on a massage table and there are various reflex points on the body that kind of help determine where you may be deficient. There's one on your right uh, thumb area on the on the meat of your thumb. And it hurts like the dickens if your pancreas hurts. Right? Yeah, that's, that's, your, <laughs> that's one of your yeah, that's one of your pancreas points. And then there's an HCL point to kind of determine if you're producing enough stomach acid. I mean, a ton. There's probably a hundred points that I would go through. And then based on that, I would make nutritional recommendations uh, and or supplemental recommendations because there are times where we need to um, supplement our diet with vitamins and minerals. Um, our soil is so depleted today that it's hard to get all the micronutrients that we need. And there are certain medical conditions that kind of require you to have certain supplementation, like the MTHFR gene mutation. Your body can't convert folic acid into folate. So sure. in that instance, I would supplement, I uh, have the client supplement with a methylated folate. So, and, and it's looking, it's not just about nutrition. It's about looking at lifestyle changes too. Um, if they're having trouble sleeping, I would maybe have them try some blue blocker glasses. I would probably um, suggest that they take magnesium or melatonin because mm -hmm. sleep plays a big part in your blood sugar regulation as well. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> this is Jimmy working on his blood sugar in the background. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh gosh, that's funny. So that's kind of what we do in a nutshell. It's just we look at the client as a whole and make nutritional and lifestyle uh, recommendations to them. I'm yeah. interested in some of your diagnostic tests that you would do to, you know, look at some of these things. Obviously, they're all over the map. I imagine you start with blood work, right? Actually, blood work right now is not something that I can actually have my client. I, I can't physically myself have them go run blood work, but I can suggest them to go to their doctor. Uh, I would have to get a little more education um, right. in that realm before I can run blood work. And you are interested in that. I am interested in that. But if they go get blood work and they bring their results to you, you can... Yes, I can I can look at it, yes. You can certainly yeah. see if they have a vitamin D deficiency or whatever. Exactly. exactly. So I do have certain tests that, that I tell my client that it might be a good idea to ask your doctor about. So fasting insulin is a big one. Fasting glucose A1C, maybe a glucose tolerance test, a definitely a vitamin and mineral status test. I want to see where they're, where they stand with that. Your uh, HSCRP. Those are key tests that I would suggest to them to ask their doctor for. And then I would ask them to bring those results back to me. And do you okay. do you also look at uh, like twenty three and Me for MTHFR status and things like that? Is that oh definitely? And, and my doctor just happened to run that with the lab that he used, so I was ah. very fortunate to find out that I had that gene mutation. But yes, definitely the the genetic testing like Ancestry Health or twenty three mm. and Me, definitely I would look at as well. Okay, so what are some of the areas that you look at? Well, I mean, I look as far as the client goes, uh, the first thing that I would look at is to see how their digestion is working. Uh, the second thing 
um, I look at is they their blood sugar regulation because if those well, well, hang on, let's go back to the digestion. Yeah. How how exactly would you determine whether it's working correctly? There is a test that you can ask your doctor uh, to run the Heidelberg gastrotelemetry test, and it just involves swallowing a pill, and that the pill measures the pH of your stomach, and, and the pill sends those results to your doctor. In reality, 90% of the population is not producing enough stomach acid, but people go to the doctor for heartburn and acid reflux, and the doctor automatically puts them on a proton pump inhibitor. Purple pill. Yeah, hey, Nexium or, yeah. Can it tell the so, difference between stomach acid and food acid? Well, I mean, it's all... When we say the pH, in this regards, we're talking about the entire contents of the stomach. Um, the the actual pH of the stomach acid should be between 1.5 and 3. Um, and once you get all those other things mixed in there, it's gonna it's gonna vary on that range. But um, so what I'm talking about here is they go to the doctor and on an empty stomach they measure the. Uh, I, I'm trying to ex- remember exactly how it works, but they swallow the pill. And I think they may eat a little bit of something to stimulate the stomach acid. And that's the measurement that's sent to the doctor. Um, based on this, if they are producing it too much, then yeah, a, okay. a proton pump inhibitor might be a good thing. But for the majority of people, that's not the case. Isn't it nine out of 10 people have too low stomach acid? Yeah, nine out of ten. I mean, and I I saw my dad go wow. through this. He was suffering from heartburn and acid reflux. He goes to the doctor. The doctor prescribes a proton pump inhibitor. In reality, what he was dealing with was that he was he wasn't producing enough stomach acid, so the food just sits in the stomach too long. Over time, the cardiac sphincter weakens. The food goes back up into the esophagus, and even though the acidic um, nature of the stomach acid is not acidic enough it still burns the esophagus because it's too strong for that. Hmm. So, what does that low stomach acid do to carbs, protein, and fat? Because so, this is fascinating, you guys. Yeah, so if, if the food just sits in your stomach, the fats begin to go rancid, the, the proteins begin to putrefy, and the carbs begin to ferment. Yummy. And all these things, once the contents go into the duodenum and the rest of the intestinal tract, this causes irritation, uh, leads to a bunch of digestive disorders like bloating, um, excess gas, and even um, increased permeability. Because we all have a certain amount of permeability in the intestinal wall, but these undigested foods can irritate the intestinal lining and increase these holes in the intestinal wall and these foreign um, particles that should be going you know, in throughout the uh, digestive tract, it, it goes into your bloodstream, and this is what causes autoimmune conditions. And that's leaky gut that does that's that. That's right? leaky gut, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, there's certainly a theory that that's what causes, um, yeah, it causes uh, leaky gut, causes autoimmune. But I think, I mean, there was a theory at one point that uh, casein, milk proteins, getting through the gut was involved in autoimmune diabetes. But I'm not sure that that's ever actually been proven, but it's certainly an interesting hypothesis. Yeah, this area is just we're still learning so much about the gut. Mm. And this is why um, the more research we can do with gut health and our microbiome, um, it's the better. And I predict now that once the keto uh, popularity passes, the next big thing is gut health. Do you think keto popularity will pass, Jimmy? Because there are a lot of diabetics. Well, the universe is making 
diabetics faster than we can help them fix themselves. Right. Don't get me wrong. I think there will always be a segment of people that eat this way, but I'm talking about the fevered pitch, kind of like paleo was a few years back before that Atkins was, uh, before that protein power in South Beach. Every, Every diet has kind of a moment we're yeah. having a moment right now. And so when the moment passes, I think once people start going, okay, I get this keto thing, <laughs> what can I add to it? And that that's when we have an emphasis on the gut health mattering more than that probably does in a lot of people's minds now. Yeah. So the thing for me about gut health is that from what I know, there's so many strains of bacteria and we we haven't tested them all in isolation. We will probably never be able to test them all in isolation just because there's millions of them right and we just don't have that kind of resource to to do yeah it's not it's really not something that's amenable to reductionist approaches because this this is something that uh, professor tim Spector said in zurich was that you know that we have to take uh, the gut as as an entire population rather than try and identify individual specific good uh, players because they're only going to be good mm. players in context. You know, he he says it's a lot more complicated than isolating good bacteria and bad bacteria in the gut. But I I, right. I think you're right, Jimmy. I think that I mean, there's certainly a lot of complexity there, which which you know demands somebody um, uh, try and find out. Yeah, try and find out uh, nutritional approaches for. So, uh, Christine, in the nutritional therapy practices, what do you learn in regards to you know the care and feeding of a good gut biome? Yeah, sure. So, the, one of the main things that we learn is that our gut microbiome can shift for so many different reasons. Um, your the area that you live in, um, your age environmental factors, diet. So um, the, your gut microbiome is so, uh, it, it can change from a uh, moment of life to uh, the next moment of life. Mm. What we like to do is to make sure that we are feeding the gut microbiome. And we believe that that's done through uh, vegetables. And we try to limit um carbonated beverages because that messes up digestion and therefore goes down into the gut. We try to tell people to not get stressed because stress pulls blood away from the intestinal uh, or the digestive system as a whole and puts it towards the muscles and the heart. And so that depletion of the blood hurts the gut microbiome. Mm. Contraceptives can interfere with gut microbiome. Antibiotics obviously can as well. And if you don't have an appendix, um, you're more likely not to be able to repopulate your good gut bacteria because the appendix is where those good gut uh, microbes are replenished and that's where they kind of hide out. It's kind of like a safe house for I them. I didn't know about that. When she told me that, I went, whoa, mind yeah. blown. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you that my sister's had her appendix out and she gets sick so often now. Mm. Um, whereas before, when she still had her appendix, she was able to fight this stuff off a little better. So I make sure that if I see it, a client that's been on many rounds of antibiotics, I really focus in on trying to get them to repopulate their good gut microbiome through fermented foods as well. That's a big thing that it's kind of intimidating, but we, when we teamed up with Maria Emmerich to do some of the recipes in our book, we wanted her to include some fermented foods in there because you only need a small portion with each meal to kind of help repopulate and feed those good gut microbiomes there. Including Um, a low sugar kombucha. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mm-hmm. love fermented foods myself. I I've, I developed this uh, this hot sauce recently by getting kimchi and mm. blitzing it in a magic bullet with some melted butter. <laughs> and that that's hot sauce is just so mm. nice. <laughs> and, of course, it's, yeah. you know, it's Are fermented. You're making me hungry now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested in in the intersection between keto, which is really a uh, it's a dietary pattern for um, managing glucose, and uh, and NTP, which is a more of a holistic um, uh, approach. What is the intersection between uh, nutritional therapy and and ketogenic diets? So on a ketogenic diet, you obviously are eating low carb, moderate protein, high fat. That's the definition of it as base. That's going to look different from person to person. My macros are not going to look the same as somebody else's. But because um, you eat a lot of fat on a ketogenic diet, I need to make sure that they, someone is digesting and absorbing their fats properly. So that that's a big area that I need to to watch out for. If they are not producing enough stomach acid, they're not going to be able to digest and absorb these um, fats properly. If they are not taking the fat-soluble vitamins A, D, E, and K, um, you know, they're going to be deficient in in those. So Mm. it's it's in that regards, I need to make sure that their gallbladder is getting the signal from the duodenum. The duodenum produces something called cholecystokinin, mm-hmm. and that signals the gallbladder to release bile. If a person has been doing a low-fat diet or not absorbing their fats, that signal is not going to be sent to the gallbladder. So I need to make sure that a person has a healthy mix of fats. And what we like to tell our clients is, 60% monounsaturated fats because those are anti-inflammatory. Mm-hmm. You have your saturated fats, which are actually inflammatory in nature, but the body needs to inflame before it can heal. Um, give, giving you an example, if you ever have a cut, you see the redness and the inflammation. Well, that's the body clearing the way for the immune system to get to that wound faster. Mm. So you need to inflame before you can heal. So the saturated fats help with the prostaglandin 2 formation, which helps with that inflammation process. And then you have 10% polyunsaturated fats, which are also anti-inflammatory in nature if these fats are processed right. That's a key that we tell our clients to make sure if they are getting these polyunsaturated oils, don't get them in the clear bottles that have been exposed to the store light uh, and never cook with these oils. Make sure you get them in dark bottles and that they say cold pressed and organic. Well, and even have like nuts and seeds that has natural polyunsaturated yeah. fats. Yeah, in. obviously nuts and seeds are, are excellent for that and, and eggs mm. are as well too. So the, obviously the fat component is a big thing because fat is important for your hormone production. Mm-hmm. It's important for your immune function. It's important for brain health and heart health because the brain and the and the heart love fat. Are you calling me a fathead? Yes, I am calling you a fathead. <laughs> and fat fuels a ketogenic body. Let's face it, that's what it does. It now, does. If you find somebody who doesn't have a gallbladder, um, can you give them um, and, and and they want to do a ketogenic diet? Let's say. Do you, mm-hmm. How do you do that? Do you do you start out with um, one idea I had was to start out with smaller, higher fat meals until you find out how much in one sitting is too much fat. But uh, that's an idea. And the other is, um, are there is there any way that you can ingest bile? 
to help with the process? Yeah. So what I would recommend, because I don't have a gallbladder, I had mine taken out in 2006. So when I started on a high fat diet, it was a struggle. So I did, I focused more on eating the butter and the coconut oil because those do not require bile to break them down. So my body was still getting the fats, but I would um, supplement with a little bit of the mono and polyunsaturated and then slowly add, add the mono and polyunsaturated and the other saturated fats back in once I figured that my body could handle it. Your body is really good. Your liver is really good at learning to produce the amount of bile that you need. It, It just, it took me about a year. But something else that I added once I went through the nutritional therapy practitioner program is taking digestive enzymes and bile salts and even HCL supplementation. The HCL supplementation is a little bit more tricky because if you still have unknown, unresolved stomach issues, that Mm. could cause some problems. So be careful. Make sure that you see a professional when you're supplementing with the HCL because that could really hurt you. I I found that out the hard way. (laughs) So um, I take some digestive enzymes and, and bile salts. Beetroot is really good. That's one of the main ingredients in those things because the beets are really good for your digestion and the production of bile flow. Warm lemon water with your meal is really good for bile production. So there are certain things that you can do to supplement with to kind of help with the digestion of those fats. So, Christine, did you need uh, a ketogenic diet in, uh, way back when Jimmy went on uh, low-carb and ketogenic diets, or were you really just doing it to, as a support for him? The reason I asked for this is because uh, Jules did, uh, when, when we first started, um, uh, Jules went on a ketogenic diet. She didn't think she needed it, and um, it turned out she ended up losing more weight than I did. <laughs> So, uh, when you first started, was that uh, something that you were doing as a, a spree de corps, or were you, you know, you, you felt an actual need for it? This girl loved her Skittles, her M and M's, and her Dr Pepper. So, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> kicking and screaming. Then my dad's side of the family is Italian, so we love our pasta. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, early, I mean, throughout my life, I, I was born three months early, so I was really stick thin. For most of my life, I didn't have a weight issue, so you wouldn't think that I would need to, you know, go on a ketogenic diet or that sort of thing. But all of my health issues were on the inside that you couldn't see. Right. And so when Jimmy started his diet in 2000, or lifestyle, we like to say, in (laughs) 2004, Mm. um, I honestly did not eat that way. I mean, he was doing it on his own. It wasn't until really 2011. When we went through embryo adoption, we found out that I had gotten pregnant, um, that I got really serious because Jimmy had interviewed several people mm. about doing the ketogenic lifestyle and, and pregnancy. With real food. With real yeah. food. Liver and things. Yeah. So that's when I really got serious. And, and that's when I saw a lot of my health issues start to improve that I had been dealing with. My eyesight, um, I have poor eyesight. I'm blind in my left eye from birth because of the oxygen that the doctors gave sure. me. And then the process started in my right eye, mm. but they caught it in time. But I have very poor vision in my right eye. Well, going on a ketogenic diet helped with those blood vessels so that more blood got to my eyes. My eyesight actually 
improve for the first time in my life. Her dad told me when I asked him if I could marry her in her early 20s, he said, she's going to be blind by the time she's 35 years old. Right. I'm like, I don't care. I love her. And now you're 40 years old and you're still looking (laughs) and seeing just fine, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I've been on the same prescription for seven years now. And I attribute that to a ketogenic diet. I was able to get off of antidepressants that I had taken for 10 years. I've been off of those for 10 years. She was on Paxil for a decade and her vitamin D levels were nine, which is obscenely low. Yeah, And she got it up to about 50 uh, along with keto Mm -hmm. and came completely off that medication and never went back on it again 10 years. And I, I attribute that to before, I wasn't eating enough fat, so I wasn't able to absorb those fat-soluble vitamins mm. A, D, E, and K. Sure. Right. And so, yeah. Yep. Yeah, the introduction to our book, if you want to have a tearjerker, listen to Christine. Or, Well, we did do the audio book, and Christine read that part, but uh, read the introduction. Did you get a chance to see that one, Carl? Did you read the introduction? Yeah. Yep. And so, uh, yeah, Christine... Everybody likes my story because it's an interesting story with weight loss and health gain and everything. But Christine, not having a weight problem and all the things that she dealt with in her health and how keto has helped heal all that, to me, that's a lot more compelling. I find it really difficult because there are... There are so many people all around us in there. You can't, you can't go out to dinner. You can't go visit a friend. You can't have coffee with someone without hearing some uh, condition that we know a ketogenic diet will help just because of uh, inflammation and all of the health benefits. It's almost ridiculous. And so the problem I have is that I don't want to say anything because like, it seems, oh, the, Carl's just going to say, go keto, yeah. right? You know, you just get yeah. labeled a, a, a lunatic. But it's not but really it, magic. I mean, it's not that a ketogenic not. diet is magic. Our bodies are magic. Our bodies um, evolved yes. over, you know, 200,000 years of being modern humans and 2 billion years of uh, of life to uh, to be a very self-correcting ship. You know, th- this is a, mm. a very finely tuned device that, you know, through diet, we derange. <laughs> and that's the thing. All we're doing with a ketogenic diet is removing the derangement and letting our body do what it does well, which is that's right. right itself, mm-hmm. homeostatically, <laughs> you know. Yep, I agree. So the, the, yeah. uh, the other thing uh, that is, it interests me really, I mean, I'm a diabetic and, and I, I know Jimmy is as well and, 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 and Carl as well. Oh, no, I'm uh, not. No, I, not. I, don't have, I don't have diabetes. You, <laughs> do you officially not have diabetes? I've never had diabetes, uh, and although I never tested when I was 410 pounds. Right. Uh, my A1C is 4.9. Okay. Yeah, and, and so is ours. Um, I think Richard's just making the point that, you know, we, we, we have been diabetic, and so uh, maybe it's uh, just mincing words or something, but yeah. we, I, we still I, call ourselves diabetic. I, would I am woman. insulin yeah. resistant, but I was never, I never had an A1C over whatever the standard is for diabetes, 6.0 well, or whatever. You like, I know you like yeah. to say that you like to eat like I, a diabetic so you don't become a diabetic. Yeah, that, that is my so, phrase. Yeah. Yeah. But, you, but I mean, the, the, the proximate cause really of, f- for you shaping up your life is, uh, is your brother really, isn't it? I mean that that's Kevin's yeah. Kevin's story is is it always gets me. I mean that 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 I mean for for a man to be plagued at such a young age with all of these mm-hmm. diseases of of modern civilization is just uh, it's just remarkable. Yeah. And 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 your recovery from that 
Um, you know, I know, I know people. Uh, people say that not, you know that neither you nor I nor Carl are, are, uh, are models on the front page of a of a magazine. But all of us have uh, done the the medical impossibility. You know, the medically impossible. Yeah, yeah. And Kevin's story is a reminder of it's not just diet, but it's lifestyle. And yeah, he was in a really bad marriage. All the stress that came from that, mm. along Oof. with crappy garbage, and yeah, he was just mm. kind of doomed. And then uh, genetic tendency towards heart disease runs in the males in our family. Right. Both of my grandfathers on both sides of the family died of heart disease in their early 50s. Mm-hmm. My dad had a heart attack at 48, another one at 50, and then quintuple heart bypass surgery at 54. Jeez. And now he's in his late 60s and he's going downhill fast. Uh, and then Kevin died at 41. You, you, you're in your mid-40s, aren't you? Aren't you, Jimmy? I'm sorry, what was that? Yeah, uh, uh, Jimmy, you're in your mid-40s, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I'm aren't for- you? Yeah, I'm about to turn 47 in December. Oh, wow. Mm. Wow. What are you going to do for your 50th birthday? Um, take six months off from work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just kidding. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, if you have a pig pick and call me. Yeah. I'm going to go to Australia and, and hang <laughs> out in Tassie. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so I think Gary and Belinda want to do a keto fest in, in Tasmania. They've, they've been sort of yes, uh, they talking are the about wonderfest Wonderfulest couple. Aren't they just? Yeah. yeah. And uh, it, it's a remarkable yes. universe of people that, you know, there's some really nice people in the ketogenic world, and and you know, it's it's an honour to 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 help them spread their message. I mean, that's that's all we do as podcasters is we get people like you and the Fat Geese and Tim Noakes and uh, give you guys a platform. Um, and I know you uh, you you've given everybody a platform, Jimmy. I, I, I I'm not yes. telling you something you don't know, but it's interesting. It's an interesting opportunity for your audience to hear you. As a guest on a podcast, I suspect. <laughs> I actually like being a guest better than hosting because hosting I'm on automatic uh, level now because I've done it for so long. Sure. But it's kind of fun when you're on someone else's show. And I'm I'm always challenging hosts. Ask me something I've never been asked before. And it's hard because I've heard it all. <laughs> right. All right. Here's something. Coke or Pepsi? Uh-oh. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, I have a question. I do have a question for both of you. Seriously. Um uh, you're out of all the recipes in your new book, Real Food Keto. Uh, Jimmy, we'll start with you. What's your favorite recipe or pick one that's amazing? All right. So, yeah, there was one because uh, we've been asked this in a, several interviews we've done. There was one that I love because just because the name of it was so funky monkey. I was like, oh, yeah, I like that <laughs> one. And it reminded me of something I used to eat when I was a kid. And you like my stall tactics uh, from talking. So <laughs> here it is. So page 320, the Spanakapita. Spanakopita. Yeah, that one. Yum. Yes. It reminds me of like a Hot Pocket. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's just delicious. And so, yeah, I, I love that one is my favorite. Now, Christine has two that I think she likes. Well, wait a minute. Let me talk about the Spanakopita for a second. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love that. I used to love it, right? Mm-hmm. So, it's basically f- in the traditional sense. It's phyllo dough with spinach and feta cheese and some other things inside. And it's like you like a hot pocket, like you say. But w- how do how do you ketify that? Yeah. So Maria has a uh, dough recipe that includes some mozzarella cheese and cream cheese, almond flour, egg, and salt. So okay. pretty basic uh, kind of dough mixture. Fat and then you dough, fill it yeah. up. Mm. Yeah, you fill it up with the butter and the spinach and 
red peppers, onions, garlic, sea salt, and uh, you can put some uh, feta cheese crumbles on top. And it's, mm. yeah, it's just magnifique. <laughs> it sounds great. That's going to be just like a hot pocket. That sounds delicious. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Christine, your turn. So going through the practitioner program, we had to do recipe assignments. And so I'm going to have to admit, not not just because I'm partial, but the, uh, these two recipes reminded me of my childhood because there's something that my mama always used to, to cook. So one of the recipes that I had to come up with was a substitution for potatoes au gratin. Mm-hmm. And in order to ketify that, we had to use something else other than potatoes. So I use daikon and daikon's a little tricky to work with it can be you have to cook it first to get that radish because it's part of the radish family you have to get that radish taste out of there and then you can um, bake it in the oven like you would potatoes au gratin so i call that recipe potatoes au gratin nice potatoes (laughs) f-a-u-x Potatoes, yeah, mm. F-A-U-X, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> that's just one that my mama always used to fix. And then another thing that she always used to cook for me are something called potato pancakes or potato patties. And, uh, like, obviously we don't do potatoes on a ketogenic diet, so okay. how can I tweak this to be ketogenic? And so we used cauliflower. So right. working with the cauliflower can be really tricky. You have to drain it. You have to get all of the water out. Suck all that water out. Yeah. yeah. And so we um, – cauliflower patties is is the name of that recipe in mm. this book. And both of those recipes I gave to Maria to kind of do her magic with it. And she just did a fabulous job at tweaking things because um, I'm not a recipe maker by trade. So yeah. she's she's wonderful at that. Yeah, you were pretty proud of those two recipes. <laughs> oh, yeah, I am. <laughs> That's awesome. I can't wait to try that. I, I find that with cauliflower, um, roasting it in olive oil and salt does a better job at getting the water out and concentrating the flavor nice. than, than boiling or steaming. Good idea. Yeah. Carl's tip. See, here we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love it. We've done some 145 shows and every single one we have two recipes and most of them we just make up on the spot. It's something we've usually cooked. <laughs> hey, you're not supposed to give that secret away, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always something we've made because, you know, we're, we're both decent cooks. But, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, so, but the problem is both of us are carnivorous for the month of November. We're having carnivember currently. Yep. So, and of course, if you're carnivores, there is no recipes. It's meat, salt water <laughs> maybe a bit of butter and egg <laughs> it's kind of like when uh when uh, victor belt had us come up with recipes for the complete guide to fasting i'm like really <laughs> yeah really like, we need 50 recipes i'm like really um uh lukewarm water iced <laughs> water it's like recipes what are you talking about <laughs> so i was at rd86 for dinner last night and this is this was the you know the food hub of of keto Love fest nice, yes so chef robert made a tomahawk pork chop that he used the sous vide a method of uh you know a water bath and uh cooked it that way and then you know, um, he just finished it in a pan, but he made a pan sauce with rosemary, garlic, and bacon and butter. And he had the chef <laughs> add extra butter for me. And it came, you know, with the Burmonte <laughs> method, it came out really thick. And I had enough to sop up <laughs> every bite <laughs> of that pork chop. With, I'm hungry. You guys are seriously making me hungry today. <laughs> <laughs> Carl's just showing off that he's got chefy friends. <laughs> so good. Well, I, I'm just lucky. I don't need to intermittent fast going into podcasts anymore. <laughs> no, definitely not. 
And as soon as we're hanging up here, we got a couple more recipes to share with our listeners. But so sorry go. if you're fasting. Yeah. <laughs> so if you if you picked up on that, I am doing Car November, but I am also adding you know herbs and garlic and things like that. I can't live without. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> so he's doing Carl November. <laughs> Carl Carnover, right? Yeah, that's right. Well, guys, this is awesome. Thanks, and good luck with with your book, Real Food Keto. And uh, we want to encourage people to go out and buy it. And I guess, can we buy it on Amazon, or do you have a special affiliate link you want to share, or give one away, or? Well, we could certainly give one away if you want to. Um, but realfoodketo.com is the website um, that where we have the hub for everything. Christine actually has a nutritional therapy practitioner website that we developed for her. What's your business website? Rebootingyournutrition.com. Nice. And then I'm at livinglavitalowcarb.com or just Google my name. You'll find me. But yes, the Everybody book will be everywhere. Books are sold. <laughs> um, and then we just found out it's going to be in all U.S. Costco stores Black Friday week. So all through nice. the Good holiday time. season, you'll be able to pick it up uh, right there at Costco. And it's thick and heavy. So, you know. Make sure that you have uh, an adequate backpack with which to transport it. <laughs> or if you, you know, you're, yeah, if you're flying on a plane, make sure your baggage isn't over. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a great book, and the quality is amazing. Thank you so much. We're so proud of it. Thank you, guys. Well, All right, for coming on, guys. We'll see you later, dudes. Heard you say you're due for a little. Well, there you go. You know, there's some stuff that I hadn't thought about before in there yeah good luck to jimmy and christine on uh, this their first book um mm -hmm. i'm sure you'll find it in all good booksellers and a costco near you if jimmy is to believe yeah right okay well are you hungry feeling peckish yeah i'm a little bit peckish what do you got carl well i think it's time for uh recipes, recipes. recipes. yeah carl what do you got all right I've got a mishmash of different recipes that I've already done on earlier shows, but I'm going to put them together mm -hmm. for something really awesome, yep. which is a patty melt burger. I Ooh. used to love yep. patty melt burgers on grilled rye, you know, with bacon and some onions and melted cheese, but I'm going to amp this up a little bit and ketofy this. So the burger okay. is, I've done this before, butter poached burger. Mm. You get a small saucepan. That's just big enough to, well, a little bit bigger than the burger that you're going to put in it. Mm -hmm. Put a stick of butter in there, melt it on low heat, very, very, <laughs> you know, very important, low heat. And with the burger itself- so it's like a confit burger, a confit in butter. Absolutely. With the burger itself, I'm going to add a little salt and pepper to the beef and mash all that up mm -hmm. before I make the burger. Just is a better way to season the meat than to just put it on top. And then- uh, yep. Poach it in this butter for a few minutes on each side. You're going to need to flip it over and until it's done. And literally maybe five, six minutes, it's done. And what's great about it is it's a gentle cooking. There isn't going to be any searing, right? So right. It's, uh, it's, it's very moist and delicious. And, of course, butter. So Yeah. <laughs> Everything is better with butter. Right. So now we're going to make oopsie bread. And the only difference that we're making with this oopsie bread from the recipe that we've posted before is we're going to add caraway seeds. Caraway seeds are the flavor in rye that really gives it that right. rye flavor. And if you can't get rye, you know, we can't use the rye grain, but the caraway seeds give it that hint of, wow, this is kind of like rye bread. Sure. You're going to make some bacon. In the oven, of course, because that's going to go on top. That's the best way to make bacon. 
Yeah, and we're going to caramelize some uh, chopped onions, but we're only going to use about a tablespoon of those because you don't want to have too many onions, especially if they're caramelized. Sugar content. Just be careful yeah, of that. Yeah, onions got sugar in them, yeah. Yep. So I would limit that to about a tablespoon of onions, but you still want that flavor. Now for the cheese, yeah. you could just go ahead and put cheese on your burger, but I'm going to make some cheddar cheese sauce with cheddar cheese and sodium tricitrate. And that is going to be a Gosh. thick cheese sauce. So I'm literally going to just cover the bottom of a pan in water, very little water, maybe in uh, a quarter of a teaspoon of citrate and then eight ounces of cheddar cheese. And it's very important that you that you turn it down after to medium heat after uh, it comes to a boil and you put the cheese in. Because if you cook it too hard, it's going to separate. Now you're going to have melted cheese and water. Yeah. Yep. Yes. <laughs> you want you want to keep stirring it until it completely transmogrifies into a really thick cheese sauce. And then I think uh, the technical term is it emulsifies. <laughs> yeah. What did <laughs> but, I say? Sure. Transmogrifies. Why not? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Transmogrify. <laughs> Transmogrify, yes, it does. So uh, it literally changes. It uh, emulsifies and it becomes this wonderful, thick, gooey cheese sauce. Um, so now we're going to grill the oopsie bread with a little bit of butter in a pan until you get a crisp outside. I'm going to put some of that cheese sauce down uh, and some of the onions, or the onions and the bacon. Put the burger on, little cheese sauce on the other side, and now you've got a patty melt that I guarantee if you're trying to get a friend or a loved one to go keto, and they're like, but what do you eat? <laughs> Invite them over for lunch. Yeah, the gateway is food. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the trick. I, I'll give you a trick with the sodium tricitrate cheese sauce. If you've made a really thick one, you can put it on a, on a plate uh, or a tray and put it in the fridge and freeze it solid. Yep. And then you can peel, pick it up and peel it, and you can you can basically make a cheese slice out of it. This is kind of yep. how they make actual cheese slices. Right. And then if, when you put that on a hot burger, that it just come it just that that it just basically falls apart and it, yeah. it uh, melts to the shape of the burger. So, so um, that's another thing you can do with that. But yeah, yeah that that. I, I think I need. I think I'm craving burgers now. I am too. I'm gonna I'm gonna make one myself today. But I'm not going to invite the neighborhood. I think I might have to as well. <laughs> no. All right. What do you got? Don't go around Carl's place for a burger because <laughs> yeah. it's none left. Right. All right. What do you got, buddy? So I've got one that was basically inspired by our trip to Prague. We went to this meat place and oh, it was yeah. called Cantina. And how good was that? It was it was kind of weird because when we walked into the place, they they give you a slip of a card and 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 you know there's no seats and you basically have to what you have to just basically perch waiting for somebody to give up their seat and you sort of jump in and, and grab your seat and then you go That's to pick, right, up, yeah. pick out your meats and these guys are like pro level butchers, right? Yeah. Oh, we had so many awesome meat dishes. You just have to uh, check out our Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter feeds for those. But my favorite was the carpaccio. Do you yeah. remember the carpaccio? Oh, do I? It was so oh. good. Yeah. So, so good. carpaccio is raw meat. Right. Yeah. It's raw beef, but it's pounded really fine, really like a thin, pounded really thin. And they had a drizzle of um, olive oil. And and a sort of a sprinkling of 
flaky salt and a drizzle of mayonnaise over it. And this was delicious. Now, I'm going to give you a recipe that I got from Alton Brown. And this is how to make the basic beef carpaccio. This is how Mm. you make the flattened out beef. Mm. So what you want to do is you want to take 8 to 10 ounces of beef tenderloin. You want to get it from the tip end of the roast. And uh, Alton Brown's recipe has a whole bunch of other things that he adds into it, like arugula, um, ground pepper, shaved palms. And that's traditional. But this meal that we had doesn't need any of that. Right. This is just as simple as you could possibly get. So you wrap your tenderloin in, in saran wrap. It, it was better because you could actually taste the meat. Yeah, exactly. This this was uh, this was a, a dish that was meat forward. Well, yep. the whole of Prague was meat forward. <laughs> yeah, that's true. This, this one dish. So here's how you're going to do it. You're going to wrap a tenderloin in plastic wrap, mm-hmm. in saran wrap or glad wrap or whatever you call it in your country, and place it in the freezer for about two hours. Mm-hmm. You don't want it to be like a block of ice. But you want it to be hard because what you're going to do is you're going to slice it. Now, if you happen to have a slicer, an electric slicer, uh, like I do, this is the best way to do it because then you can guarantee to have always the same size slices. Right. But you can also do it with a knife as well. Could you use a mandolin? Um, I'm not sure if you could use a mandolin because you have to get a really wide one. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm not sure that the meat would, would hold up going over the mandolin, but you should, could try it. I, maybe I should try that myself and, uh, and report back. Great. Because that would be guaranteed way to get, you know, ev- even slices. Yeah. So anyway, what you want to do is after two hours, you unwrap the tenderloin, you thinly slice the beef into approximately one-eighth to one-quarter inch pieces. And then you're going to lay out sheets of plastic wrap. And on top of that, you're going to put a rosette of these round pieces of beef. Right. And what you're going to do is you're going to put another piece of plastic on top of that. So now you have a sandwich with plastic on the bottom, meat in the middle, and plastic on top. And you're going to make this big dishes. It's going to be about 18 inches round this big dish of meat. And now what you're going to do is you're going to take a small wooden hammer, like a little meat tenderizing mallet. Yeah. And you're not going to whack it. You don't want meat flying. <laughs> you, don't, you don't want meat flying. Yeah, everywhere. I don't do you that. You just want to <laughs> sort of tap it gently. Tap it gently because you're going to be basically flattening it. And by flattening it means it's going to mean it's going to take up a lot of this the sauces that you're going to put over the top of it but it's also going to it's going to be more flavoursome and you're going to really taste the meat yeah so as i say it's just raw meat we're going to basically take this tray of uh meat that we've made uh be- wrapped between two slices of plastic we're going to take the first slice off we're going to get a plate and we're going to put a plate over the the meat with the plastic underneath it and you're going to flip the whole thing uh, upside down so that now you just peel the top layer of plastic off and now all you need to do is to swirl some mayonnaise over the top of it and we'll actually put a a, a link to our twitter feed which has got a, a, a picture of the uh, finished element from prague and that's my recipe for the day it's uh, prague beef carpaccio oh yeah so good that, I'll tell you what, we both were like, oh, I'm going to make this my recipe. And you're like, oh, I'm going to make it my recipe. We yeah. fought over this. It was so effing good. We did. Yeah. <laughs> we actually had two carpaccios. We had one from a different restaurant, and they had well, they were more traditional with parmesan and capers. And yeah. both of us looked at each other and said, you know, it's not necessary. The traditional no. stuff is not necessary. All you need is a little bit of mayonnaise, a little bit of oil. And it just doesn't get much more keto than that. Yeah, get that flaky salt on there. Yeah. It's like fleur de sel. So good. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, that's a show, Richard. Of course, if you have anything that you want to tell us, something we said wrong, something you don't agree with, some more research that you found to support or refute anything that we've said, send it by email to dudes at twoketodudes.com or post it on our website. And you can follow us on Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Two Keto Dudes. Make sure to use the hashtag Two Keto Dudes. And of course, if you want to join the free ketogenic forum, it's forum.twoketo.com. And you can have a look around the forum without needing to create an account by starting with success.twoketo.com. And if useless swag is your fancy, like t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other junk with witty keto sayings on them, head over to gear.twoketo.com. And if you want a shot at getting some of that swag for free, join the Two Keto Dudes fan club. You'll be eligible to win something in every show. Go to fanclub.twoketo.com. And if you feel like supporting our forums and all the podcasts that we produce, think about making a monthly pledge on our Patreon page at patreon.twoketo.com. You can also see all of our podcasts and other videos on YouTube at youtube.twoketo.com. And if you haven't already, go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's how new people get to know about what we do. Two Keto Dudes is brought to you by Two Keto LLC, who strives to support the low-carb community with podcasts and other publications. Keep calm, keto on, and fast when you can, Richard. Yeah, keep calm, keto on, Carl, and yep, do some fasting every now and then. <laughs> Absolutely. And we'll see you next time on Two, Two Keto, keto Dudes. Dudes.